0: Welcome to Core Corestruction, a show about science, technology, engineering, and math. This episode is brought to you by the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, Tulsa District. I'm your host, Brandon Parrish. Today I have with me three engineers from the Dam Safety Production Center, Adam Smith, Jeff Stevens, and Daniel Morales. Welcome. First of all, gentlemen, thank you for taking time out of your busy day to join us. If you don't mind, go ahead and introduce yourselves because we have multiple people
1: here being interviewed. Yeah, so Adam Smith, civil engineer with the Dam Safety Production Center.
2: Jeff Stevens, geotechnical engineer also with the Dam Safety Production Center.
3: And Daniel Morales, structural engineer with the Dam Safety Production Center.
0: So one of the projects we're working on right now is a VA hospital in Muskogee, Oklahoma. Tell me how the Corps of Engineers came to be involved in that project and what it is we're doing.
2: So I think it was 2015, the hospital at Muskogee had a, had a landslide. They had previously contracted out a um, a job to install a generator building. And due to some an incident at the site and some heavy rainfall, it led to a, a landslide. They had to do an emergency fix of the slide. And it had sat for a few years. Uh, Catherine White contacted me and we did a uh, she had been contacted by the the VA hospital because they were curious kind of what the the status of the hillside was. So we did a um, slope stability analysis of the hillside and and determined that while things were stable at present, there was potential for future issues at the site. The VA had um, done a contract, or at least a partial design build kind of contract to fix that. And we looked at that their uh, package and decided that was not going to be adequate to provide long-term stability and achieve the goals that the VA wanted to do. So um, the VA went, went ahead with the Corps and we came up with a conceptual design package, presented that to them, and then at their request, pursued that all the way through a full design, bid, build package.
0: You mentioned the hillside was saturated somewhat. What are the implications for a hillside, especially with a retaining wall, that is saturated with water?
2: So it wasn't just the rainfall, there was, because of the excavations that had been occurring for the, the ongoing contract the VA had at the time, they went ahead and put a surcharge load on that slope as well, so that when you load, put an additional load on the slope, then it introduced rainfall to, basically led to a buildup of pore pressure in the soil and it led to a slide. Um, we did some analysis during design at the request of one of our uh, value engineering um, study comments to kind of do a forensic analysis of the slope, and we just determined that looking at the geology, there's like a layer of clay or highly weathered shale right at the interface, and we think that in that layer is where we had the buildup of pore pressure, kind of a sliding failure, and the soil went over the hill. What's yeah. a surcharge load? Can you explain surcharge? Would
0: yeah. you call it surcharge load?
1: Yeah, Daniel, if you want to take the surcharge question, that's that kind of gets into some of the structural aspects. Uh,
3: it's just really any external load applied to the soil or foundation Uh, it can be uh you know from vehicles uh like jeff said construction equipment that just sits in in and uh kind of imparts a pressure if you will on the on the on the soil and then you know that'll that'll translate through and find the weakest area you know and and if that weak seam like jeff said is not strong enough to create enough friction to resist that force, it'll just cut right through that material and then cause the material to move and create an instability, really, so.
1: Yeah, if you think kind of like an avalanche occurs, generally you'll see, you know, a snowpack on a mountain and additional snow that comes that's not part of the initial fall, you know, can create a surcharge weight that occurs at the top's surface. And that can result in a cracking motion a sliding motion between the underlying plane and the overburdened plane and then you'll see kind of like an avalanche effect and so that that's what the risk was of occurring um on this particular slope uh the the initial response that uh i guess the va had was to try to shotcrete with grout the the face of the slope um in order to reduce i guess the risk of um you know, outlet points for, you know, rainfall that infiltrated into the foundation as a result of rain. So.
0: So uh, t- let's talk about the project like mm. now. What what are we doing in, in, in terms of that, that overall project?
1: Yeah, the, the big thing that we're doing is stabilizing the soap. That's the that's the main uh, important aspect of the project. We want to make sure that the VA hospital <laughs> remains in a stable condition just beyond where uh, the slide occurred. And then, uh, additionally, as a secondary benefit that, uh, that the VA will realize is additional parking stalls. Right now, they actually contract with a third party for vehicle transport, or I guess personnel transport from a, a contracted parking area that's off. Campus. And so, what that does is it increases uh, commute times and, you know, for, for personnel. And what this does is it offers uh, a secondary benefit of having everything co located so that uh, personnel can be right on site next to their vehicles, in, you know, in the event of an emergency or in the event of, you know, a, a late morning or something like that. They don't have to take the, the bus back to the campus. And so, um, we've got uh, a number of structural features uh, and geotechnical features um, that are part of the project including uh, principally a, a buildup of material that we're going to do for um, a work platform to install a soldier pile wall system. And uh, Daniel can talk about the, the more of the design feature related to the soldier pile wall but then uh, additionally we create that that work platform that will eventually be, utilized as a a parking area, and then around the perimeter of that, we've got um, mechanically stabilized earth or MSE wall systems uh, that that surround the perimeter of that, and then an access road, um, some instrumentation, uh, settlement monitoring, uh, as well as some um, on-site water detention uh, systems so that we can treat uh, any storm runoff. So that we're not increasing the impacts uh, to the city of muskogee so daniel if you want to maybe talk about the soldier Pile wall yeah, system I mean, it's know, a pretty complex jeff, system uh, yeah. you know
3: jeff and adam mentioned it's really you know the pr- one of the primary purposes was really to stabilize that area that slope behind or next to adjacent to the hospital and um and one of the ways you can do that is through installing a structural feature like a wall, a, a wall system, wall. Mm-hmm. a retaining wall system. That accomplishes trying to hold back and, and prevent soil from moving and failing. And, and you know, if you have an unstable slope, installing a wall system, a structural wall system like that will will keep that, that, that material uh, retained. And uh, so that that's part of the process is installing the tieback wall system, which is, uh, Soldier piles that are embedded in concrete, drilled into the through the foundation, to the bedrock at a much lower elevation, and those are spaced a uh, certain spacing, and then um, you know, timber lagging is held up as you excavate and reveal uh, and expose the retained earth, and um, and then you follow up with that with drilling in high strength uh, pre, uh, you know, post-tension cables that go back into the you know much further beyond into the competent material and and rely on that to hold that that wall system in place and um and actually install the similar system at the site it's at, at the upper hill side of that, that that slope and you know it, it had success with that system and so that's that's the same similar type of system we used here but then you know um we went a little bit beyond that because the parking lot, it, it kind of evolved and, you know, and as we became aware of what the VA wanted in terms of the parking spaces and size and so forth, we, we had to put in another secondary wall along the bottom part of the slope. It's an MSC wall as Adam mentioned, a mechanically stabilized earth wall and um, just composed of precast concrete panels that are tied back with geo grid reinforcement and um you know it, it doesn't corrode it it uh you know it's installed and it's a it's a really permanent feature you know um, what,
0: why is it why is that geo grid can you talk about why that geogrid is so important to the uh, to mm-hmm. i mean even any i guess yeah. any potential re- retaining wall having mm-hmm. geo grid is right. huge
3: right? yeah oh yeah i mean it's like um it's really it's a, it's a primary component which holds those panels in place. And you, know, and you go out and you see mechanically stabilized earth walls all over you know, town. I mean, you go see them all across the city, right? And really all you see is the facade to the wall, like stones. They can be stones, they can be sometimes you'll see on the sides of highways, you will see a concrete face wall.
0: Concrete well, we, face fall with a fake stone facade. Yeah, exactly. They, they, I
3: mean, and, and and you can get as exotic or as you know aesthetically pleasing as you want, right? But what you don't see is behind that wall system is really what the main structural feature holding that back is those geogrid system, or sometimes they'll use steel reinforcement to hold it back. But
0: is that like the steel reinforcement using concrete? It's similar to yeah. Sometimes okay. it is like a used, grid sometimes,
3: grid. sometimes they use that as well. And this particular site, we're using more of the geogrid system. That's it's a it's com- it's a geosynthetic materials that do not corrode. Um, they still offer a lot of strength as what you need as as what would steel reinforcement mesh would provide, but they just do not corrode. So they can be buried and have a very long service life without really any concern of trying to go back in and trying to replace that Uh, but it's it's really specific fill that goes in there and what happens is as the earth pushes against those panels those geo grids are embedded back into the material and there's friction that's created across the the earth and that's wedged in between these reinforcement grids and that's what's holding back those panels from just Falling over, falling forward. So it
0: adds additional strength, right, on uh, top so of what you would get system. normally with a retaining wall.
3: Yes, right? it, it, it is. There's there's some redundancy in that way because you know if it was just a typical retaining wall system that's just by itself, it just sits there and by gravity alone it sits there and, and stays there. Um, you know there is redundancy in this system because of those those that reinforcement mesh and so forth, but um it's a little trickier i mean it's more specific because you know that fill that goes behind this type of a wall system it's very specialized it's got gradations it's got uh, certain properties that's got to meet um you know and uh so it's it's a little bit more unique in that way but um, well and and yeah.
1: two, the the benefit that we s- realized with the mse wall system versus a gravity system is your cross-sectional profile your, your depth of the wall into the grade significantly reduces. And so what you have then is an ability on the exposed top surface to extend for additional parking or circulation space. And so you, you have all of the strength benefits while also then realizing additional um, opportunities for, for utilization of the surface. And, and that's different than uh, a gravity wall system. Yeah, would,
3: you'd would you'd, be have to, you'd have to excavate much further back beyond the wall to um, To actually build that wall system, and and all these wall systems that we're using, the tieback wall system, the MSE wall system, they require much less of a footprint um, to to build, and um, and the tieback wall especially because it's more of a you drill down into the earth and you build the wall system and you start to expose it, you know, and you create that vertical vertical face, and you don't have to really go. and and encroach into the you know like the as much the foundation of like the the hospital so you use those wall systems in these situations where you're very close to you know uh, buildings and structures around and you don't want to encroach on those foundations so it's it's uh it's more suited for you know this site and so forth
0: So when you guys use, cause you're using, you're using like the jargon, right? The mm-hmm, engineer right. construction jargon, you say mechanically, what is it? Mechanically sta- stabilized, stabilized earth, earth, mm-hmm. earth
1: walls. Yeah. Yeah. And that
0: essentially means the, the wall, the.
1: The geo the engineered fill, the yeah.
0: engineered fill. You also have a drainage system, right? Mm-hmm, I imagine yeah. you run the drainage pipe on some kind of a, what is it? Washed, is it called washed gravel? Washed? Uh, g- washed yeah, gen- it's generally, generally
1: a filtered, um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, aggregate, yeah. Aggregate. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Rock. So <laughs> yeah. rocks. So rocks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So what,
0: like, and that's that's important too, right? Because yeah. mm-hmm. water is heavy. Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. <laughs>
0: so how does that impact it too? Because I guess the geogrid allows, it allows uh, liquid or water to mm-hmm. flow down through the, yeah. the structure, right? And then you have a, um, a essentially like a system. drain. Yep.
3: Yes.
1: Yeah, and, and Jeff, maybe if you wanna to talk to that a little bit about the really behind the wall system, you know, like you were saying, the pore pressure gets reduced because you know, we're, we're relieving the, the stress that's, res, that's a result of that pore pressure through a, a drainage system through the wall. Um, and you know, that's kind of a soil structure interaction is what we would refer to that as. But if you wanna talk a little bit about you know, draining the, the foundation behind the walls.
2: Yeah, it's very important to to keep the water out from behind the wall because otherwise essentially you're kind of building a dam type structure Mm -hmm. and adding to the stress on that wall. Um, Can you say uh,
0: that again? I'm sorry. Can you start over on that, what you just said?
2: So if you, you know, drainage is very important behind a wall, obviously, because otherwise you're sort of building a dam for your groundwater. It would build up pressure on your wall and increase the stress and increase the likelihood of a failure. Which, you know, Daniel and his design would certainly account for a groundwater table that would rise as a result of rain. You know, you don't always want to account for your siltry and your drainage system being 100% efficient because it won't be in the field. So, but it's very important to have that. And another element of the design that really hasn't been discussed as far as drainage and all that is the fact that we're, through this, we're removing a lot of very unstable soil Mm -hmm. media. Historically, at the site, had used it as a construction debris disposal area, so you essentially had a hodgepodge of soil, bricks, concrete debris. What, what, does,
0: that, what does that mean for the when you're saying you've got a hodgepodge and it's, yeah. not, I mean, it's not necessarily the best material mm-hmm. to have in there? What, what happens with stuff like that when you have different inconsistent types of material or different consistencies? I guess, yeah, homogenous. You have a, a diverse set of materials, it, it
2: makes design very difficult just because there's no book, textbook property for it, you can guess. And also you can have voids in there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You could have differential settlement. So, you know, you build a parking lot on it, the park could settle because there's been a void under it, so mm-hmm. you park a car on it and it could settle. Um, Sinkholes. Yeah. yeah, you could get that kind mm-hmm. of action. Yeah. You could see a preferential for like a landslide, if you know, mm-hmm. unsoil- unstable material.
0: Because that, that's not something people really think about. I mean, and, and, yeah. and there's like, what, is there like a mathematical formula you guys use when you're trying to figure out, based on the type of material you have? What is that where you take, I mean, is that <laughs> where core samples come into? And so you know, or you have an idea mm-hmm. of what your earth or aggregate or whatever is?
2: Yeah, so actually that was one of the important things when we were doing design last April is we actually had um, a drill crew from the Omaha district come out. I think it was Omaha mm-hmm. Omaha district came out and drilled four test borings. you know we had historic data from the VA, but we weren't entirely you know the, the core hadn't been involved with it. We were unsure of you know the processes used so to ensure that we had good quality control and the data was what we needed. We actually had four test holes come out. we did some sampling of the the soil media on top as well as the rock, but the rock was the most important because it, it gave parameters that were essential to structural design and verifying that we we're making sure the rock was as strong as we thought it was,
1: and at the location, the depth that yeah. we needed it to be. We, you know, you don't want to, for sure, found a, a structural system on a non competent foundation material. You want to get into that competent bedrock so that we know that we've cut off any risk of sliding. You know, a, above that, uh, you know, end condition uh, for the, the wall system, and, and that ensures long, long-term. Longevity of and, and security of that system. What's
0: what's challenging about like taking over a site like that and and you know and because you have to do a lot of the design, right? Correct. Are you still using AutoCAD? Or are you using? Yeah,
1: we we still utilize uh, Bentley Microstation. Um, there's multiple sub uh, platforms within that that we utilize. Um, for instance, on this particular project, we utilized in Roads uh, Select Series 4, um, but the the core and Bentley have since moved on to a new uh, design subroutine there called uh, Open Roads Designer. And basically what, what that does is it allows us to create surfaces that we can then manipulate uh, in, in our design process to show the contractor our intent for surf- subsurface grading, temporary construction features, fi- finished grade. Uh, conditions that we want uh, to represent, and and then that also uh, allows us to, to gather uh, between you know individualized surfaces uh, quantities, and so we have a lot more precision in our quantities uh, as a result of some of those types of uh, software packs, and um, you know from from our perspective and and from our engagement with the VA. Um, There's a lot of eyes on this project. It's a very important project because it's been a very uh, critical area immediately adjacent to the main hospital. And uh, interestingly enough, the the main director of the hospital's office overlooks this project site. And so there's a lot of of visibility. And so that's why we're working heavily with the construction staff uh, on site and in the Tulsa resident office to make sure that submittals uh, requests for information uh weekly meetings and all that that the dialogue remains very much open and we've we've had a really good experience with uh you know uh, the the construction staff out there Um, we'll make periodic site visits uh, to ensure that any of the critical features of work are being constructed as designed and then um, we'll engage uh, periodically with the va staff themselves um, who are overseeing the engineering side of the, of that, um, uh, environment to, to let them know that, yeah, everything's progressing as designed and, and there are no, uh, identified issues that, that we've had to date, so.
0: we, uh, and, and now, th- is there a separate project with clearing a bunch of land, or is that the same, is that's, that part of the same? Yeah, that's,
1: that's also stuff. included in this, um, okay. the, the main reason for that clearing, uh, which you know we, we did a lot of coordination through the environmental and regulatory offices to make sure we're in compliance with you know, ODEQ uh, standards as well as our core regulatory standards. Um, and uh, the, the challenge with having this hillside is that there's limited access on the upper slope. Um, you've got deliveries being made to the VA hospital uh, all the time you've got a new generator building that's gonna be constructed on the upper hillside. And so really the, there was gonna be a lot of congestion up on that upper slope. Uh, in addition, um, there's just limited circulation space because there's primary parking for patients and, and staff uh, up on the, the upper slope as it is now. So what we're doing is we're limiting the contractor uh, to the uh, access being from 48th Street and what that does is number one provides a long-term access route uh, to this parking area it also benefits the city because they have platted out um, for future potential development uh, some areas uh, for residential construction and it allows for that infrastructure to be set in place earlier than expected Um, and it reduces that congestion that that we that our contractor Uh, could potentially experience on the upper hillside and so uh, there there were multiple considerations for alignments widths uh, and and we had for sure to comply with city standards because this was going to be a long-term piece of infrastructure that eventually the city would probably take over Um, and so we we had to do a lot of coordination uh, with various entities to make sure that we're meeting all those different standards and so yeah so the, the of forested area that was previously uh down down slope if you will uh, over to 48th street is getting a a, a narrow um, corridor of clearing so that we can put that that new access road in
0: are you are you getting good feedback from the the city you know are they, or have you been, you said you I think you said you've been in contact with them yeah. right so are yeah. you getting good yeah. feedback from them as far
1: as yeah the, the clearing activities so far have, have just commenced within the last two to three weeks and so uh there's there's a lot of that going on right now uh initial grading of the site to meet our slopes and, and roadway conditions uh, for long term, but really the road isn't going to be constructed f- uh, until near the end of the project because we don't want to degrade uh, a newly paved road with construction equipment. And so they'll put down a, a temporary access and then, uh, and then come back and improve that at the end of the job. But we haven't heard any concerns or issues from the, the city, and it uh, seems like all of the, the traffic control and, and safety procedures that the contractor has in place currently uh, are, are meeting any of those city guidelines as well.
0: So this is a technically, I guess, a Milcon project, right? A military it, construction. Yeah, project? it's
1: kind of but like I, I would actually refer to it more so like a major maintenance project, okay. um, because the the project site was already existing at the time, um, and really we're improving uh, or, or restoring, if you will, the the existing slope. Uh, the the benefit is, in order to do that, we will create um you know this parking area and access road to be able to handle the construction of this restoration um but uh but I don't I don't believe it was actually programmed under a 1391 document like a normal Milcon would have been done so it's just not
0: a civil works it's definitely not a civil (laughs) works project yeah
1: yeah yeah there are definitely civil works uh you know conditions that we would consider um but but no it's it's more so uh more of a vertical i would say more of a vertical construction type project that you would normally see on a on an installation
0: are you guys all normally enc or do you normally follow dspc or
1: yeah all of us are dam safety production center employees um and the benefit is uh you know daniel and i came from we've been in the district for almost 20 years now and um, we came from the enc side of the house Uh, jeff came on uh, was it as a uh, an entry geotech, and then you've progressed up the ranks as well over the last few years, and um, and, and so we've had a lot of contacts. We've got a great network of ENC staff, um, particularly on the on the construction side, because that's who we're dealing with at this point, and um, and so the the relationships piece, you know, Brandon, you and I have talked about this in the past. Relationships are everything, and. Um, you know they they really help with uh, expediting any concerns uh, and resolutions um, as well as keeping you know tabs for us on on what's going on on site um, as well as in the pro- in the programming side, making sure that we're not you know busting budgets or schedules those kinds of things and so uh, relationships have been everything on this
0: How is doing a retaining wall similar to levy type work how how I mean, because there are some similarities to mm-hmm. a degree. You've, you've got to have like what, a drain. And right.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Generally, you know, a lot of the features that we're doing on this VA project, uh, we would utilize the, the principles on a, on a civil works type project. So you'll have embanked fill, compacted fill, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll have, yeah, drain or filter materials. You'll have a, generally some sort of structural system, whether it be uh, like a kind of a structural cutoff wall through an embankment, or if it's going to be a a concrete, you know, reinforced concrete outlet structure, those kinds of things, you'll have access and traffic, you know, or... um, Let me
0: interrupt you, sorry. Um, When you say cutoff wall, Mm -hmm. can you explain what that is? I'll let him explain what that is. Yeah, because I (laughs) mean, I hear these terms all the time, and and Mm -hmm. sometimes when I hear cutoff wall, I'm thinking, Mm -hmm. yeah, I I, I have no idea how to even picture it in my head sometimes. so.
1: So, Jeff, you know, you... You're, you're aware of what a cutoff wall is and, and, and how that interfaces with the embankment material. I'll do my best to explain. Yeah. So basically, a,
2: a cutoff wall would be sort of a structure you would place through the middle of an embankment. Yeah. It could be a mix of uh, like a slurry with a concrete soil mix. It could be a sheet pile wall. There's, there's different methods of it, but the general principle is to try to cut off seepage through the embankment. And to either force that seepage to go deeper, which increases the length of, of the path for the water, which decreases its potential for uh, it decreases the forces which could lead to failure, mm-hmm. or to entirely cut it off and prevent it from from enter, going downstream.
0: And it, it runs, right. so when you when you have this, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, it runs vertically yeah. into the yeah ba- into the into yeah. the
1: yeah. If you picture kind of like a ham and cheese sandwich mm-hmm. you know you, your bread is the embankment on either side and then your ham and cheese would be the cutoff wall in the middle so your your mustard is not going to get through the ham and cheese to but the it, other side you know. but is it laying horizontally so, or vertically? no it's no, definitely right. vertically yeah it's it's a vertical sandwich so okay <laughs>
0: what are what are some of the main differences obviously you don't you don't typically right
1: have yeah generally you're not going to have a a you know soldier pile wall system running through vertically through an embankment um or or have it maybe even on the downstream side of an embankment um you would construct your embanked fill to be satisfactory condition to um you know to handle any stability and any seepage conditions that a dam or levee would experience um you know you're, you're frequently um not going to have uh, you know, major clearing that you're gonna to have to do on an embankment. You shouldn't at least because of, of the, the regulations that we've got in place. Um, there, there's a vegetated clear zone beyond the, the toe and the heel of a dam, just because you don't want root systems to encroach in to the, the competent fill. And, and then if they die off, create a, a path for seepage to occur. So, um, and then, you know, we're generally not gonna create parking lots um, on the side slopes of an embankment or a levee either. So, so there, there are some differences, but there are, are a lot of similarities, um, and, and mostly, like I said, in, in the way of the, the compacted fill condition, the, the drainage condition, the filters. The, and, and we haven't really gotten much into the, the instrumentation side, but um, you know, long-term piezometer monitoring, uh settlement pin monitoring that will be available on the like the tops of walls or just on the inside uh of the the back side of the wall to to monitor groundwater and to monitor settlement conditions that may or may
3: not occur in the future
0: you, you won't have that issue with a retaining wall where you need to have well, no. a piezometer <laughs> check right i mean i mean, I mean yeah. you yeah. have to
3: go do piezometer checks on it's retain. just not on the same kind of level really right. you know right. because like you know, with dam safety world, you know, the really one of the biggest differences to that, besides what Adam mentioned, too, is, you know, the water element, right? Mm-hmm. Water produces all different types of forces on a structure, right? And from a structural standpoint, like, you know, you take a wall that's in a parking uh, lot in a, you know, commercial area or in a hospital setting like this it's not going to be subjected to the same types of forces from water that you would near Dan. That's a dam right. that's that's going to flood you know that's mm-hmm. you have you have flooding events where the the water levels they go up and down and and sometimes they can produce you know high you know dynamic forces from the water against you know you 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 handle forces from the water from like groundwater and things like that you have those no matter where you're at and you have to deal with them but it's just on a whole nother level whenever you're at a dam site with with actual water flowing down a channel or you know in a lake with varying levels and the uplift that it produces underneath the structure are much different right and um, it's similar to as we were talking about like the cutoff wall system you know seepage underneath an embankment those forces uh, they cause uplift um, you know they actually push up against this, you know, soil and can create an instability and and they're just uh, they're just a whole different ball game and they and they actually require a lot more constant monitoring to get into what Anna mentioned about you know the piezometers is you know at a, at a lake whenever you're constantly controlling the the levels in that lake or a river system a lock or whatever. You know they're always varying so you really need to understand that you know in any second you know as soon as those water levels change or a flood is coming in you have to know what's going on with the structure too and it's, and it's best to do that by instrumentation so that that level of instrumentation that we would do for a dam just on a whole nother level in terms of you know uh, 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 this setting where you know we're not you know we don't have you know, Constant basically, a flood. Water yeah, time. we don't have a flood coming through, you know, yeah. if we did, yeah. then it wasn't, you know, I imagine even, problems, problems, but even but yeah. on the slope yeah.
0: side where mm-hmm. right. there's not even, there's yeah. not like water. Yeah.
3: That side, yeah. So yeah. I yeah. mean, there, there could be groundwater yeah, through the formation, but I mean, it's always. not, it's but, but it's not a it's wall. It's not the river. It's pushing not, no, yes. no, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You don't have a lake. You don't have a river. You don't, you know, you're not controlling the flow in that kind of manner. So all those things kind of go away.
1: And even. Currently, you know the the site is experiencing uh, direct infiltration from rain. So, right. as soon as it hits the slope, if it's right. not saturated, you know you'll see some water infiltrate into this into the soil. Well, with this new system we're putting in, we actually have collection stormwater right. systems that we're putting in, diverting that ground or that surface runoff around the side of the the wall systems and and down slope, and so the the slope will experience groundwater continually you know generally because through formations but but it's not going to experience the same level of in of inundation um and and saturation as, as even what it's experiencing today
0: do you see that water exit or is it usually covered or like do you actually see the point where the water yeah you you can okay yeah
1: yeah and and generally at those locations you'd either have some sort of uh, a a rock dike or a ditch you know lined condition just to prevent long-term erosion at that localized area um or yeah you can have pipes that connect that uh that groundwater collection to a stormwater system or something like that it's not required to go to it like a collected sanitary sewer or anything it's just storm it would be considered it's you know as soon rocks. as it comes out of the ground now it's stormwater um, regardless of, of how it got there and i was so.
0: just trying to think mm-hmm. if i've ever seen a retaining wall and i've ever seen Mm-hmm. where the water's coming mm-hmm. out on the side or whatever yeah. where the where the drain is and i, I can't remember if i have like i yeah M- most of the time well, it, it's yeah. it's it there's a little sense. bit of a delay <laughs> you know you, you could look yeah, on yeah,
1: yeah. on yeah. you know the sides of of uh, abutments for bridges on highways and uh but the challenge is is you got to time it right because um that granular fill for the the drain yeah, system it goes screen. yeah but it's also going through pretty quickly and yeah. so uh an earth you know like what Jeff was talking about earlier with pore pressure your part- particles in an earth fill are extremely small for particles in a, a gravel drain system particles are much larger so the pressure is released faster and it flows through very quickly and so even in like a rain event for you know an area that has a drain system by next to a highway for instance you'll collect that runoff and and discharge it into a, a you know subterranean pipe but then any uh, infiltration that occurs behind like an abutment uh, on a bridge on each side of the bridge um, that has a drain it may collect for a few minutes after and then it will have outlet it. So there's a very small window to have, to be able to see that kind of stuff. Uh, what is interesting is you know even during construction on some of our projects we've done before, watching outlet groundwater. It's very clear because mm-hmm. it's filtered through the foundation. It's filtered through a a, a porous. Uh, filter medium and so it comes out very very clear and or you hope it doesn't Would you, yeah yeah you're hoping it, <laughs> yeah, yeah, if it's, yeah. if it's cloudy if it's cloudy done. then you know you, you you have some concern about taking material from the embankment with it but
0: how do you guys like learn to do this stuff i, I mean because mm-hmm. i don't know if you ever if you had a lot of construction experience before you went to college or whether you were kind of around it or mm-hmm. You, you graduate from college, you come to work. How do you learn to do this stuff? I mean, do you, are you, are you, is it just O.J. I mean, in, ter- in terms of, yeah. of your training. Yep,
1: On-the-job training is, is really critical. Um, I, I prefer to consider it kind of like an a la carte menu, if you will. Um, get with people who are mentors of yours, you know, more experienced engineers. Talk with them about the experiences that they've had and start making a list you know i've never done a filter design i've never done a roadway design i've never done a structure you know a wall structure design and you know and then you can get into some specialization i've never designed a cement bentonite cutoff wall i've never designed a two-stage filter i've never designed you know a a, you know what do you call it the the soldier pile wall Mm -hmm. system Mm -hmm. and so what you can do is you can start you know just making a list of those a la carte items as you encounter them and then find the experts in the core find the experts in industry um, you know we've we've actually contracted in the past on other projects with uh, you know people in industry who are very knowledgeable on things uh, and then you know for software systems you know most of the time those manufacturers or developers offer uh, a set you know training systems um, YouTube's a really good, good aspect for things. I've I've spent many a night looking up YouTube videos on, on some of the Bentley training when the, the helpline's closed. Again, you know, back to relationships. It it's all about, you know, identifying those in your network who have that knowledge that you want to seek out, and uh, and then they're going to have recommendations for any type of organized training. Uh, they'll have uh, recommendations on projects around the country that, you know, maybe you can just go and visit um, a construction site, not even within the, the Tulsa District or, or SWD, but maybe there's a, a project in Sacramento District. You know, they have a lot of big dams out west, and, uh, and if you've got a chance to go for a week or two, uh, you can gain a lot of good insight from project engineers on the ground, uh, seeing what they're seeing. And so, uh, I don't know, guys, what do, what do you think? I go next. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any other recommendations? You know, I mean you're you're newer to the core mm-hmm. and so you had probably drinking from a fire hose the last few years on, on training yeah. and, and you know, learning on the job, you know, dewatering stuff that you've done.
2: Yeah, I think Adam's right with you know, relying on, you know, kind of learning from others and other projects and I think, you know, school gives you going through a bachelor's and even a master's degree gives you a very good toolbox on how to do these problems. Mm-hmm. or Especially in engineering, I kind of liken it to a way of thinking. Mm-hmm. You, know, you may not learn how to do, say, a two-stage filter in school. Right. You may do it, but it gives you, th- you know, you may do a project that's similar or a way that's similar so you at least learn how to think about it. It right. gets the problem-solving mindset. And then knowing where to look for resources, whether it's print resources, internet resources, mm-hmm. people resources. That's
0: so do you guys just? You just like learn through the process of working on projects that I have this situation occurring, mm-hmm. these are the actual tangible products mm-hmm. or type like geotextile fabric. I mean, yeah. I imagine you talked about that yeah. in, mm-hmm. in, in school, but mm-hmm. you, you are some of those things things that you learn through the process of just doing oh, yeah. it? You're like, oh my gosh, oh, I didn't yeah. know that's how we would solve yeah. that problem. Yeah. yeah, I
3: mean, as soon as you. Yeah as soon as you're tasked with like taking on a project you know and like you're a lead or you're kind of a uh, more in charge of something some element you know i think as engineers in general i mean for the most part we dig down into the weeds and you know if we didn't know something about that you're sure about the end of that project we've mm-hmm. thoroughly researched it to heck you know and uh, it kind of translates into how we are as people you know in everyday life but we engineers in general we just research topics and if we were not familiar with them initially you you know by the end we are and i think it just that is just part of the process for any project but you're right it it does stem from getting tasked with leading a project and then you know it it, it, then something kind of takes over you as an engineer and go you know that inquiry for knowledge of Mm -hmm. okay how do you do this okay how do do you what's the industry say on you know what are their codes are there guidelines to do it right and and you start figuring out all those all of those you know uh limits to what you need to you know put and uh and like jeff said i mean you take the fundamentals that you learn from school you know all those engineering fundamentals they stay with you and and they do help you to understand how to just solve problems in general but know, some of those engineering concepts and fundamentals that, you know, they are critical that you did go to school, learn them. But once you get into the field and you're practicing, there's just uh, a plethora of <laughs> materials, different types of engineering solutions that, yeah, you just cannot possibly cover in school. You know, I mean, and uh, but as long as you understand the concepts of how you would go about designing and the fundamentals behind it. You can apply it to really most engineering solutions you know and 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 just that experience that you gain over time doing project after project yeah that's that's where you really fine tune it and some people can get kind of more focused on one particular area of that field too you know just because they've done so many of those projects and that that experience built up but but i mean it all starts with you know the research you know and just really getting in there and and Having mentors too that that have been through it are, are absolutely critical. I mean, it, I just don't limit knowledge of any kind. If it's coming from mentors, if it's coming from you know codes, textbooks, you know regs, uh, you know people, you just got to open up your mind to all of it, you know, and take it all in and, and uh, utilize it. So.
1: Yeah, one of the things that that I found in my career is that uh, you know the government can generally be pretty slow in making major innovative moves uh and and what that generally comes down to is the manufacturers of products are generally on the leading edge of things i mean you'll have R&D at universities and things like that that you know will, will develop you know with manufacturers or, or developers develop patents for new products and things like that and then those people are the ones that engage with industry or construction industry uh, design or construction and and they will start to integrate into those um, those conditions for developing submittals and things like that and then what happens is as we in in the government design um see those submittals with that pro- that innovative product data come across our desk we're like well this is actually a really great idea. Let's consider this maybe for a future project. And so rather than specifying the, the you know, by title, we'll, we'll look at the salient features, the, the characteristics of what that may bring um, to the, the condition of design, and we can specify those. Uh, but, but that's kind of how the, the innovation line kind of trickles down uh, to, to the design engineering uh, that we do.
0: So, when um, why why work for the core as opposed to industry? why 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 <laughs> can work for the core?
1: Uh, I, know, I know for me, <clears throat> uh, public service um, has been paramount. Um, the idea that the work I do every day um, really helps the public. Uh, and I'm you know budgets, schedules, quality are the three general aspects of any project. They always say you can have two of three, so pick your two or three, two of three. Um, For us, um, I, you know, we're always, you know, considering budget, you know, because money is finite and we want to make sure that we don't go over budget. However, uh, profit is not generally a part of our budget um, like it would be in in industry. And so at at the end of the day, industry, Um, design firms, contractors, that kind of thing, they ultimately have to make a profit so that they can stay in business. We are not generally subjected to that. So that means that we can generally spend just a little bit more time focusing on maybe the the quality a little bit um, so that we can reduce modifications during construction. We can improve the quality of the system we're putting in place. Um, Again, subject to a budget, but not necessarily subjected to profit.
0: And, and I so. remember you, you're from the Manford area, right? your dad? My dad is, yeah. Your dad was in yep. Manford? And yep. And you were working the Keystone Dam, Correct. Uh, yep. the bridge. Yep, so was bridge Daniel. bridge deck, yep. okay. Daniel did yeah. the design yeah. on the bridge, okay. yeah. And, and you talked about that, mm-hmm. about, about you know, you know, you're, you're sort of making the bridge deck better right. for people who, who, you know, even for you. Even
1: for me, <laughs> yeah, drive, I was out there last weekend. So, yeah, and so getting to drive across that bridge uh, mm-hmm. On 151, it's you. You can really tell that there was a lot of uh, energy and a lot of heart put into the design of that project. And then there was also a lot of energy and heart put into overseeing the construction of that project, because you can have a, a near perfect design, but if it's not over, if, if the construction is not overseen well, mm-hmm. then you know it it doesn't matter. And so it it really. That project, for me in particular, uh, is a testament to a great design and a great construction oversight.
0: And, and I mean, a bunch of cyclists went out. Yeah, exactly, yeah, ago, yeah, so. the Ironman, yep. yeah,
1: yep, so. So,
0: I mean, it was probably good that they weren't putting potholes in Yeah, stuff. exactly.
1: <laughs> what about you, Jeff? You know, what, what motivates you to stay at the core and be a part of the production center?
2: I think the biggest thing is being able to be involved in big projects that matter. Mm -hmm. and being involved with the core versus a private industry you know when i was looking at coming out of school and having the choice between private industry government um i always thought you know when it comes to the biggest most critical designs we're going to trust you know on a dam for instance we're going to trust that to you know the core and not a private Mm -hmm. contractor Mm -hmm. and i wanted to be involved in big projects that matter that i could really sharpen my technical toolbox and Mm -hmm. learn from the best be involved with you know leaders in the field and World-renowned experts. That's that's why I lean with the core.
1: Mm-hmm. Daniel, what about you?
3: Yeah, I mean, it, it's it boils down to the projects, you know. Uh, like Jeff said, and um, you know, like it, we we have so many different types of structures, you know, in the core. And so, from a structural and engineer standpoint, you know, uh, we do a lot of different things. I mean, we have, you know, as you, as you mentioned earlier, you know, Milcon has vertical construction, you know, horizontal construction all over and, and, you know, in the civil works arena, you know, uh, and now that we've made kind of our, our dam safety production center uh, expertise as well, you know, we focus strictly on dams, but within the dam dams, uh, there's, you know, all types of work for that as well. You know, there's wall systems, there's, I mean, just, you know, there, I've got to work on bridges as well, you know, which, been a big part of me um as well so it's you know whenever you get outside you're more specialized um you know you don't get pigeonholed oh yeah Mm -hmm. no you don't don't get pigeonholed as an engineer and and what i hear too is um whenever you're in some engineering firms you you kind of have to stay within that in in, you know in that stronghold of whatever that specialty is Mm -hmm. you can't really branch out at all and so um you guys practically have to you have to here. yeah you have yeah. to be like my first mentor he he called <laughs> he said he was a jack of all trades because you know, and I didn't really understand it, you know, but as I've progressed throughout my career, it totally makes more and more sense every day because i you know you do not totally utilize all the disciplines you learn in school, except maybe here, places like here mm-hmm. uh you know, yeah, I'm a structural engineer, but I've had to learn, relearn other parts of my civil engineering background that didn't necessarily fall under my discipline. Because you have to understand some of these other concepts and how what you do affects other parts of the, you know, other parts of the structure, you know, and um, and you get to do that here. If you're in private, it would different parts of that engineering work would be contracted mm-hmm. to different groups and like, oh, okay you have this firm do this part of the design you have that firm do that part of the design here it's like you know we pretty much take usually we take it all on ourselves mm-hmm. so there, it's there's a lot of
0: specialization absolutely out there yeah absolutely yeah. And, and and there's nothing wrong with that no it's just no, that no. um and that certainly specialization has its right. benefits mm-hmm. but um right but i, I think you guys get I I talked to someone in the military about this years ago It was a nurse, and she was telling me kind of the same thing about nursing in the military, and she was saying, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, in the military, I'm not going to just do obstetrics, Mm -hmm. or I'm not going to just do, you know, um, ER. I'm going to do everything, and and that's nice, especially if you like doing different things as opposed to, you know, and I'm not not saying that anybody in in, in the private world just gets, uh, like, you know, going through the motions, but... Right. But you certainly, because even in specialization, there's, mm-hmm. I guess, different mm-hmm. aspects, you yeah. know. It, it's not it's not like putting doors on a car. No, no, no. Um, you're at least getting different shapes. Mm-hmm. So, Absolutely. Wh- so, you're structural,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you're geotechnical, Adam, you're... I'm civil. Civil. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. Let's talk about the difference between those three areas, and, and I'll kind of get this closed up because I don't want to hold you up any longer. I oh, you've fun. got important stuff going on. But um, when, when you say civil, straight mm-hmm. up, what, what does that mean for in, in terms of the core, at least?
1: So, uh, the way that I and my dad's is also a civil engineer, and uh, my grandfather was a chemical engineer, and so I've had, and, and also my father in laws a mechanical engineer, so I've had experience around engineering my whole life. Um, The civil um, engineering, general site civil, I equate to kind of the architect equivalent of of a project. So we are, you know, really responsible for coordinating with Geotech on slope design for, say, an an embankment. Uh, We're responsible for coordinating with structural, say, for excavation for a new structure and backfill. Um, There's a lot of details that would go into transportation, water resources, um, design of channels, design of uh, site grading, um, coordinating with environmental on, on, you know, making sure that any, you know, hydroseeding seeding or turfing isn't going to be influenced negatively onto existing infrastructure. Um, there's, there's a lot of aspects to the civil realm that I'm responsible for throughout the course of design. And, um, and, and those, are the, those are the aspects that, that I equate to the, the civil realm. So,
0: Jeff, what is geotech?
2: What's well, first and foremost, as a geotech, you're a civil first. You know, mm-hmm. civil, you know, civil and structural and water resources—they're all kind of stemmed out of it's a specialization of, mm-hmm. of a civil engineer. But a geotechnical engineer would be specialized more into soil interactions, groundwater, foundations—basically how your what how the earth is going to affect. The structure, the embankment, that sort of thing, mm-hmm. you know. And I'll work closely with a, a structural when we're building, like for instance, a retaining wall. As far as letting the structural know what kind of soil interaction we're going to be having at the site, what kind of rock we have present, mm-hmm. the strength of those materials, so that he has the proper parameters to put into his design. Mm-hmm. And then also work closely with a, a civil to kind of you know learn what the limitations of the site may be, and you mm-hmm. know, so. That's kind of where I see a geotech. Mm-hmm.
0: In also, this part of the country, you got it's, it's a lot of clay soils, mm-hmm. right? Really clay sedimentary rocks. Mm-hmm. And do you see a lot of granite? Do you see much granite at all? Or in, 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 not? In, in not in generally Oklahoma? in Oklahoma.
2: <laughs> I know we have a quarry that produces it because yeah. we use it for a lot of our embankment jobs. But yeah. no, you don't see a lot of that. But for instance, I'm involved right now with another project out, working with a, in a dam on California, and you see car. You see more not karst. I worked on another project that had karst up in Kentucky. Yeah. That had what? Karst geology, which is like limestone caves, oh. sinkholes. But out in California, you see seismic, which is a whole different realm of geotech mm. and structural. So.
0: I mean, we've had we've had little, we've had some quakes here, or uh, mm, or at least right. we felt the in, in our in our region. Um, right. And do you is that something that you have to like take into account a lot of here, or for the most part? because they're so deep and far away. It's
3: no, I, no, it's, it's impacted. Mm-hmm. I think it's impacted, uh, what we do. I mean, it, I take, for example, uh, you know, you, you've heard of Canton Lake mm-hmm. and, um, and, uh, I was the lead engineer for that project for part of its uh, life and and, and, and real quick right
0: a quick rundown of what that project was because yeah. you've got the you've got the uh, what are they surge gates or whatever yeah, they're called Fuse gates, gates. gates mm-hmm.
3: yeah yep. yep so you know it's a it's a big lake system part of the Canadian River system and it's you know it's a lake that uh, primary for flood control and and um, you know Tanner gate spillway and and you have also an emergency spillway um, that will release for a PMF flood type of event for the pmf stands chance, for probable maximal floods no, that's uh, maximal, that's a lot like that's, that's <laughs> a lot that it, 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 it the, the pmf it, it it varies sometimes the the um, frequency that's associated with it but yeah you know how floods that's typically used the frequency is talked about you know once in a you know yeah. how many year event right and mm-hmm. Which, so. is, which is
0: which does not mean you're
3: going to get that once in a. <laughs> no, day. it doesn't yeah. necessarily mean that. You it's can just, get 500-year yeah, events yeah. in a it's row. It's just yes. the, high, the high likelihood, you know, Would the you, likelihood of it. Sorry, but, I got no, you off. it's okay. That's just, okay. Just the okay. So that but, project. But that project specifically was, you know, in that area, that mid mid of Oklahoma, uh, we've been we've experienced induced seismicity, you know, over the years, and uh, and it's from various sources, say or you know, they argue about the source of why that's induced seismicity occurs. But nonetheless, I mean, it's it's been shown we had to deal with that whenever we were doing a final risk assessment, you know, as part of the dam safety process, you do risk assessments and you analyze, you know, probable failure modes and so forth and what that risk translates to in terms of, you know, what's the safety of that dam, right. Mm -hmm. And and during the process of that project the the years of when we were you know improving and modifying that dam to handle that pmf flood you know induced seismicity became an issue throughout the project and we had to the risk assessment team had to assess that induced seismicity as it relates to you know how it could make the dam fail you know and so we actually were directly impacted by that and luckily you know, they they did the analyses to show that it was still safe, but but yeah, absolutely, it's it's impacted that. And as a matter of fact, from a structural engineering standpoint too, when we design for the seismic load case too, I mean, those tables we use maps that show accelerations. I mean, those have been updated to reflect induced seismicity. So yeah, I mean it does, it, they are impacted because codes always change. And for, for a structural engineer, like part of what we do is, you know, we, we design structures uh, for, to handle loads and, and to stand up basically and, and not fall down, right? And, and you know, part, what, part of what we do is, you know, we, we um, look at codes to tell us, hey, this is safe to do this. You 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 know you, you design it for these types of loads. You design it for these types of failures, and and as long as you adhere to that, then you have a safe structure, right? And, and low probability of failure. And so, um, so similar to that, like you have the induced seismicity. Well, that's over time. It's actually impacted our codes and the recommendations in our codes. So yeah, I mean, those things happen, you know, and and and, and I think overall in the engineering profession you know as things as failures happen they also help to to give us you know newer guidelines on what we need to be doing instead of what we did in the past and that's a big part of engineering in general but especially dam safety too like you know it's always evolving and you know and, and we're always learning hey this is these are the details these are the things you want to incorporate into your new designs because we have we've proven that they are safe you know they're better and uh, so that that so you're getting it's new, changing. you're getting
0: new data absolutely essentially absolutely. Like, like it's like with it's always uh, changing with with any yeah. with any project yeah. when we update I guess when we start doing uh, dam safety modification type studies right. or whatever right, right? like yeah. we people will say well why now are you adding why why now would you yes. want to potentially have this as PMF or whatever right right and yeah. Well, we've seen over the Mother years that the, that exactly. data has right. increased. Yep. We have Absolutely. more data, yep. right? So like,
3: and Mother yeah. Nature has changed. Like, right. you yeah. know, we're at the whim of Mother yeah. Nature. I mean, mm-hmm. what we do, we're trying to design mm-hmm. structures against flooding, right? That is continually changing over mm-hmm. time. And so, you know, the hydrology behind determining mm-hmm. those floods, well, they're gonna change too. I mean, mm-hmm. if, if we get more mm-hmm. flooding uh, historically, then guess mm-hmm. what? It's going to impact and, and trickle down to, hey, what we have to do to assess those structures and keep yeah. them, you know, maintained so that they can handle those floods. So it's always evolving.
1: Yeah, it's it's kind of like, you know, we don't teach our children the same way we we were taught yeah. 40 years ago. Right. You know, education standards have changed as a result of right. new data. Yeah. Engineering standards change as a result <laughs> of new data. Right. And yeah. the part of the challenge is, is that regulations take a while through the approval process um to to really come down to the working level but because of again networking relationships we can be aware of what those pending changes are and and try to be on the forefront of of implementation um without violation (laughs) um so that so we can make sure that any of the new designs we're doing um accommodate you know emerging standards while still complying with the current guidance so
0: and, and just to, re, to to reiterate on canton um you you didn't see any physical impacts to mm-hmm. to the, the structure from any
3: earthquakes or out the no beach. no exactly so like that that's right. another thing yeah, Like absolutely like, i mean the instrumentation part the monitoring right. you know like the tulsa district game safety group they have we have all this instrumentation that they have to mm-hmm. continually read keep track of and monitor the dam so they know, they can safely say, hey, we, you know, there are no issues, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and we have, you know, they have the, they have the instrumentation to prove that. And so that's why it's so critical because whenever our structures, they can impact the lives of many people here. We're talking about very serious consequences. And, um, and they, Canton was one of the, it is one of our dams in that way because the consequences are so high. And uh, so, absolutely, we're not going to take any risks. We want to do everything in our power to mm-hmm. really understand what's going on with our structures. You know, the embankment, the the spillway, and so, so absolutely. I mean, it's it. You know, but we we utilize that. name safety dust. Have you ever
0: had been tasked with being one of the guys that has to go out and do the inspection after a seismic event or something? Because I, I know we yeah, we have, yeah, like, yeah, we have yeah, like those right. guidelines mm-hmm. where it's like within yes, ten miles, certain, yes. within yes, thirty yes, yeah. miles, or fifty miles. I think or? all
3: structural engineers have taken the turn on that. I, I think <laughs> I did at one time. I, it because it happened like, like I said, the induced seismicity. Mm-hmm. It's <laughs> it's gotten you know. It's just become an issue in central mm-hmm. Oklahoma more so over the last, you know, 10 years or so or whatever. So it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it impacts what we do for sure. And, um, you know, so that that's part of what I think, too, is the, the interesting thing about engineering is, yeah, I mean, Mother Nature changes and uh, conditions change. They always do. Mm-hmm. And, and trying to adapt to what they are, uh, it's, it's interesting, uh, you know. It never is dull in that way,
0: especially yeah. when you've got a structure that's got a design life of say 50 years yeah, or 75 go. years. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and right. then
3: you're trying to think. Did they think about that stuff then, right. or you exactly. know, did they have any idea? That's part yeah. of the interesting part. You know, like what did they design for, mm-hmm. right? And trying, to, and if they didn't design for that, well, what do we have to do? What's what are we obligated to do to keep the public safe? And that's mm-hmm. where a big part of dam safety modifications comes in. That's part of what we do. Is yeah. hey. Well, if we find out that a dam is no longer, you know, uh, safe for these conditions, well, we have to upgrade it, you know, mm-hmm. like we would anything else. You would upgrade it and mm-hmm. uh, modify it to to handle those new conditions, you know, so. Yeah.
2: Does soil change over time, typically? I wouldn't say that soil would change as much, but our understanding and the tools to model mm-hmm. the soil mm-hmm. have definitely evolved. You mm-hmm. know, we've been, geotechnical engineering as a, a pract- you know, as an art, you know, basically, We've been doing geotechnical engineering as long as we've been building things. <laughs> but <laughs> the study of geotechnical engineering really with Terzaghi has been like a 20th century and later process. You know, it really didn't become a field until... what?
0: Terzaghi? Is that a
2: person or is it? Yeah, a person. A person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and can you... Who is that? Kind of the godfather. His, he's like considered the yeah. father of geotechnical engineering, <laughs> yeah. the, the actual study of it was, mm-hmm. you know, really going, I think it was the 1940s, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken, yeah. is when a lot of, like, the mathematical principles started to be developed. Mm-hmm. All of these things may have been known by humankind kind of as an intuitive right. thing for millennia, but we really didn't put math to it until then. Mm-hmm. And then you talk about computer modeling where I can run 10,000 simulations of a slope in right. a few minutes, whereas it may have taken someone 25 years ago hours to run one or two of those. Because
0: mm-hmm. they were using slide rules? Yeah. <laughs> yeah and you know hand sketches
1: and all hand and things kind like So that. you know
2: that may allow us to identify things now that we may not have seen then mm-hmm. or to analyze things differently to use Monte Carlo analysis where we can vary properties according to right. statistics mm-hmm. versus just picking one set of parameters to run. Yeah. Right. yeah so he he
0: started studying and this was like something that they just kind of took it for granted. they just kind of, I don't know, you said intuitively, they, mm-hmm. they sort of based on experience. Yeah. experience, story- yeah, yeah,
1: in essence, would have been, you know, like the Romans would have, let, let's build a block this size, you know, by this size, um, and, and we'll use it with this source of, of mud or material in order, because it's always worked that way, you know, and, uh, and and like what he was saying, what Terzaghi did was evaluate, okay, why is it like that? What are, what are the testing conditions for that material and, and what are the parameters that result as uh, you know a, a result of you know compaction methods or you know uh, saturation conditions and, and those kinds of things And you can now we have have the tools like Jeff was saying to to really quantify what all those intuitive conditions were in the past.
0: Alright, thank you gentlemen I really appreciate your time And is there anything
1: I didn't ask you I should have asked you? So I, I always Anytime I'm presenting to like students, I, I always present n- two things. Number one, find the intersection of your passion and your talent. That's the sweet spot. Okay. Number two, um, impact. The the work we do means something. It impacts people. And you know, you hear a lot of uh, accolades through other industries like health, law, finance things like that, um, and and you don't always hear those same uh, considerations for engineering. What I would, you know, have people consider is that doctors and lawyers generally represent one patient or one person at a time. Uh, engineering generally represents millions at a time. And so our impact is felt across the world, regardless of where you're located. So. Just consider that any of, any of the projects you're working on deserve your full attention, your high quality, and, and, and your focus and energy because you impact thousands and millions of people every single day. We
0: hope you've enjoyed this episode of Struction. This show was written, edited, and produced by Brandon Parrish of the Tulsa District Public Affairs Office. Find us online at www dot s-w-t dot u-s-a-c-e dot a-r-m-y dot m-i-l you can find us on social media usually at USACETulsa. tulsa all one word have a great day